Welcome to One of Us is Lying, the podcast where, well, one of us is lying. We'll be telling either historical stories, ridiculous conspiracy theories, or some deeply confusing combination of both each week. Thanks for tuning in. All right, uh, I'm Jada. And hi, I'm Cody. <laughs> I work recording at six in the morning. Uh, so you're listening to One of Us is Lying, the podcast where, well, one of us is lying. Uh, we will be telling you some crazy truths, uh, some flat out lies, and some interesting facts about history. Uh, thanks for tuning in. So Jada, how was your week? Um, well, <laughs> I do remember pretty specifically saying a podcast is about indulging in other people's shitty lives. And let me tell you wow i didn't realize how accurate that was (laughs) i have had probably one of the worst weeks that i've had in a long long like in three years oh no it's great it's great let me tell you all about it please do (laughs) on monday last week we found out that my roommate was being cheated on by her live-in boyfriend Ooh. uh real real spicy and uh so she came down at like two in the morning and she was like i want him out of the house which is 100 percent fair and i absolutely agree with that decision um so she came down and i was like okay cool we're gonna figure out how we're gonna deal with that so then i called adam my living boyfriend and he was like all right, cool, on board. And then we called her brother, and he was like, okay, cool, on board. So he came over, and then we, like, convened. Like, we literally, like, brainstormed how we were going to kick this dude out of the house. Uh, So Adam, like, figured out how to change the locks because it's one of those key code locks. And then uh, we, like, figured out what the legality of, like, kicking someone out. is like especially during covid and it was a it was a fucking mess anyway he's out of the house now but i have been dealing with that for like the past (laughs) it it was awful it was like a it was an entire week ordeal we just dropped off most of his stuff this weekend so he has everything and did he end up taking the snake no no we still have the snake he he asked for shared custody of the snake with just his roommates? No, with his girlfriend. Okay. That makes it yeah, least a his little... girlfriend who won't talk to him. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Because uh, he doesn't want to lose another thing he loves. Uh, <laughs> as a reminder, he got caught cheating. So it's... <laughs> but anyway, um, he wants shared custody of the snake. She's clearly like, nah, that's not going to happen. So he has until like next Friday to figure out what he wants. Um, but it is almost not my problem anymore. So fingers crossed. When does it officially stop being your problem? The tenth. The tenth is a big day in my life for some reason. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. I wish I knew more about the mystics of numbers or like the magic of numbers. But good luck. I don't know, man. Survive until the tenth. You know, I had a really shitty week. It wasn't great. It wasn't a fun time for. Me. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your week was shit. It's fine. Uh, How was yours? Oh, wait, I have good news. Yes. What's the good news? Uh, um, I was able to defer my outplacement. So my company that I left 
was able, when I left part of the agreement of me leaving, was they were going to give me um, outplacement, which is kind of a service where a recruiting Mm -hmm. service kind of works on your behalf and I'm able to delay it. So I can't delay it for very long, but it does give me some more time to like run out COVID since, you know, things do have to come back. Yeah. Now is not the time necessarily for job hunting. Yeah. So hopefully that helps and it gives me a little bit more success. Um, But if not, then if not. Well, here's to hoping that that helps. That mm-hmm. is a good thing. I'm glad that your company was willing to work with you on that one. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy for you on that matter. <laughs> All right. How was your week, Curdy? Um, You know, the quarantine cabin fever has officially hit me. Um, I'm still on that van life <laughs> hype. I got a lot of confused and very concerned messages about van life. No, it's not well I'm thought out. I'm shocked none of them were supportive. No, most of them were, actually. <laughs> most of them were supportive um there was a handful of questions uh, most of them were a split bag of like look well i definitely see you doing this are you sure that's fair don't yeah, blame them I- again i will support you in almost all things is it the best decision for you i don't know <laughs> i still don't know well good for but I- again you're you so <laughs> and i was gonna say it's really great that i don't make decisions based off of what's best for me but rather what's most interesting at any given point so like it's fine it's, it's great totally fun. <laughs> i i mean it's worked out well enough we've got a podcast <laughs> we have a podcast and it was kind of like go podcast like it was literally like if someone pushed a bird out of a nest yeah and, and we figured it out on the way down <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that's exactly what i did to you i'm like hi we're dropping this thursday and you're like wait what and i'm like mm, we're dropping it thursday it's fine it's fine my plants that i bought and invested in are doing very very well i've got a full tomato growing i've got about six strawberries growing i'm really excited none of them are dead um my work schedule has changed which is why we are able to wake up and record at 6 a.m so if i sound like there's a lag it's not our audio it's not a recording it's just that i am tired it's fine i'll probably edit it out so you won't even notice but know that this is we're exhausted (laughs) but we're excited Mm. Mm. all right you ready to get into this week's story we should probably discuss who was lying last week Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point from Curdy. All right. Curdy, were you lying last week? No. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is, in fact, a true magic order. What I discussed, all the infighting, the weird rituals, the tree of life, etc., etc., henceforth was all correct based off of what they have available to the public. Yeah. Honestly, if you listened to last week's episode and you don't think that's wild, I would go back and re-listen to it. Because, like, as someone hearing it live action, it didn't really absorb into me until I was editing the episode. And then I was like, what's happening? Oh, yeah. It's like you listen to it and you read about it and you're like, okay, that's a little bit strange. And then you kind of circle back to it and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) A lot of things are going on in that story. It's a great story. Mm -hmm. So, Jada, since I wasn't lying, what were you lying about? Um, so my story was on the dark version of NaNoWriMo, uh-huh. uh, Remo, the National Conspiracy Writing Month, and I was lying. So the National Conspiracy Writing Month is a program that does happen every November, but it's a very small program, and it was something started by Tim Huang just because he was like, 
this seems cool. Uh, so he wrote a really nice article about how conspiracy theories are a form of entertainment. And he just wanted to like think of it as a creative writing exercise, which is literally what we do. Like that is the premise of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought it was fascinating. So um, there are certain components that are true. There are certain components that are false. So this whole social bot component, mm-hmm. that's true. He did work in social media and that whole social media wars where there was a competition of bots. That was all true. Um, there's some details about it that were false, like only one bot out of 10 failed the Turing test. I don't even know how many fucking bots were involved. I just made that up. Okay. So, um, I, the conspiracy theories that I said were created, I don't actually know it was created by Nakarimo. It started in 2019. Oh, um, so it's but a very everything new. that, I, yeah, it was really, really recent. But what I alleged was made was literally just uh, things that people spread on their Twitter feeds. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those it were just literally like, oh, that's an article that seems weird. Let me add that. So, wait, does that mean yeah. the one about 5G being sold or 5G affecting um, climate change? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. That was just an article out there. Yep. Okay, wild. Yeah. <laughs> So then my idea that Tim Wong was not inducted into the Illuminati does not hold ground, at least not nearly as much. Not nearly as much, but he is a really, really smart dude. Like he, he, his background in itself was, that's all true. Okay. Um, So he did, I, honestly, I would have to go back and make sure that I'm right, but I believe he went to MIT. Um, He did work at Stanford. He did all those things. And if you're interested in looking at any of his research, you can visit his website. It's just timhuang.org. I'll put it in the show notes. But he's a really fascinating dude. Awesome. I still vote you reach out to him. I might. We'll see. I I wanted to wait until, like, the truth of the lie came out first because I didn't want him to be like, this is slander because that would be awful. (laughs) That would be a little bit awkward and a little bit sad. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, cool stuff. So, Jada, do you, since we already kind of discussed that the premise of the show is that one of us is lying and mm-hmm. or we're going to tell you a weird historical story, some combination of a lie and a truth or some just outright conspiracy, why don't you go ahead mm-hmm. and tell us what this week's episode's about? Uh, this episode is about space. Um, the original premise of the episode was space and then Curdy and I both ended up doing like government in space. So we're going to veer more towards that. But... Yeah. Yeah. That's government space involvement. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? Um, let's see. I went first last time. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, our topic is space, specifically government in space. As a U.S. citizen, I'm doing the U.S.'s involvement in space. And I want to give a little bit of background about satellites. Um, So the definition of a satellite is an artificial body placed in orbit around the Earth or Moon or another planet in order to collect information or for communication. The first satellite the U.S. ever launched was Explorer 1. It launched on January 31st, 1958. This followed the launch of the Soviet Union's Sputnik 1 on October 4th, 1957, which, you know, was the first satellite launched into space. Mm -hmm. The Explorer 1 was a cosmic ray detector designed to measure the radiation environment in the Earth's orbit. It orbited around the Earth once every 114.8 minutes for a total of 12.54 orbits a day. The satellite itself was about 80 inches long and about 6.25 inches in diameter. 
and all of that information is from NASA. Yeah, so it was tiny. Yeah, that's like surprisingly small. Yeah, and it's really funny because its orbit path wasn't consistent around the Earth. It would either get really close or really far from the Earth, but its orbit path did happen pretty quickly. Hmm. Yeah. So 12 times a day? Mm-hmm. About 12 and a half. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah, it was a really cool thing. And then, so in comparison, as of yesterday when I looked it up, and as far as I know, no satellites are being launched during COVID, the U.S. has 2,229 satellites in space. This mm. is compared to China's 397 and Russia's fifth, uh, 1,526. That's a lot of fucking space junk, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of space junk that does not include private companies, as far as I could tell, and that does not include, you know, every other country in the world that has satellites. Ooh, that makes me comfortable. I, I don't like private companies in space. That Elon Musk, <laughs> we're talking about you. <sighs> Stop. Also talking about you. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about the satellite US-193. The U.S. or sorry, USA-193. The USA-193, also known as the NRO Launch 21. Okay, so back to what I was trying to say. The satellite I'm going to be talking about is the USA-193. The USA-193, also known as the NRO Launch 21, was a reconnaissance satellite launched by the U.S. on December 14th, 2006 at 9 p.m. This is still a classified satellite, but it was most likely to be believed to be a high-probability radar imaging satellite. And also, when I say that it's a still classified satellite, I mean that we do not know its orbit path. We do not know officially if it was a reconnaissance satellite. It said it is, but we don't actually know because they did not say what its orbit path was, um, the type of actual satellite that it was, mm-hmm. or any of the specifics about this satellite. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so they believed that it was a high-probability radar imaging satellite. This type Mm -hmm. of radar is used to create images, typically in 2D, and it's mostly used for landscape imaging. One of the ways Mm -hmm. this is done is through emitting radio waves and using their reflection back to create an image. The main idea of this satellite is to be able to render images of whatever land is beneath its orbit path. So... Cool, pretty basically, I say basic if this, as if this is not a huge advancement in science or whatever, but like, that's fine. Yeah. Just go out, make your own satellite. Totally yeah. fine. I feel like you that's very simple. Mm. Yeah. It's not illegal or anything. Go no, ahead. no. It's not like there's, <laughs> it's rocket science, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, what the concept of it, uh, like, abstractly, it seems simple enough. Goes in the air, looks down, sends back. Yeah. Pretty much. That, that's the giver. That's the main takeaway. Um, yep. And again, we don't actually know what the satellite did, so does it really matter? No. <laughs> so, in, compar- in comparison to the mere 80 inches of the Explorer 1, the USA 90, or 193 was roughly the size of a basketball court, which is about 94 feet long. Mm-hmm. It was originally built by Boeing, but then became a joint project between Bo- Boeing and Lockheed Martin. It's always weird to think about how big satellites are. Yeah, uh uh-huh. No, that's a very, very weird thought. Like, the other one was very small. Okay, not very small. It's still technically larger than, like, a person. But But still, like, a person could stand next to it and work on all components without needing special equipment. Yeah, versus Mm. it being about 95 feet. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's fine. But yeah, so within hours of its original launch on December 14th, the, U- the United States lost contact with this satellite. And then mm-hmm. within less than two years, it was expected to crash land. Okay. That was fast. Yeah. Damn. They fucked up. Yeah, this satellite, again, it's classified. We don't know if we did lose contact, but it was expected. It it was publicly announced that we lost contact with it, and it was publicly announced that this was crashing to Earth. Okay. But yeah, so instead of just allowing the USA-193 to burn up in the atmosphere or even allowing it to crash land and then cleaning up the mess, which is technically allowed by international space laws... um, (laughs) The U.S. decided to take action. Enter Operation mm-hmm. Burnt Frost. Uh-huh. Another just wonderful military operation name. We ne- literally need to do an episode just on operation names. Because, like, I just need to understand why we're like <laughs> Do any of us know anyone in the military that can explain this to us? Operation Burnt Frost was the planned destruction of the USA-193 by means of missiles. The plan... Mm-hmm. Um, the plan for the USA-193 destruction began on January 4th, 2008, when President Bush Jr. signed, or with President George Bush Jr. signing off on it by February 12th. You look very confused. Because that's, isn't that election year? Am I wrong? No. Uh, was it, wasn't Obama? Yeah, that was. President in 2008? Yeah. Wasn't he elected? Yeah, I think you're okay. right. But it was it was an election year, but he couldn't be reelected. He was at end of t- term two. Bush. Yeah. Okay. So election year mattered noticeably less because it didn't matter to him. He wasn't in the running. But yeah, no, yeah. you're correct. That is in the beginning of election year. Okay. So he signed off on this by February 12th, and the expected cost of this destruction was in the ballpark of 40 to $60 million. Mm-hmm. And again, this is... That number does not include the actual cost of the satellite, which I could not find. Yes, Jada? I just, in regards to space, I think it's hard for us to frame how much money we spend on things. But in regards to government spending, that's nothing. No, it's... That's so small. It's very much not. um, But that said, in comparison to most things, and the fact that we've defunded NASA multiple times, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of money. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of money to destroy something that really didn't need to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the official goal of Operation Burnt, Fro- of Burnt Frost was to rupture the fuel tank to dissipate approximately a thousand pounds of hydrazine. This decision mm-hmm. was made again on February 14th, even though it was signed in on February 12th. And the official stated goal then was to destroy the USA-193 before atmospheric re-entry stating that the intention was saving or reducing injury to human life. Hmm. Does that timeline make a little bit of sense? Yeah, so they ratified something in like two days. Pretty much, yeah. Which is incredibly fast for government turnaround. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they figured out this was an issue beginning of January, and it was more or less solved by February, which is awesome. But I guess something falling from space does prompt a timeline. (laughs) yeah you can't really just like close the government down you you gotta gotta deal with it eventually like i was gonna say there's a pretty immediate like need for reaction yeah that makes sense that tracks Uh uh-huh so again the concern for this was because of that one or a thousand pounds of hydrazine and again this was a fuel tank 
The Pentagon said that the hi- if the hydrazine tank fell to Earth, it could spread a toxic cloud roughly the size of two football fields. Mm-hmm. So hydrazine, because I didn't know what it was because I didn't really take chemistry. What? It's not a really common thing, I would say. <laughs> Apparently it is, kind of. So okay. hydrazine is a colorless, flammable liquid and is considered highly dangerous and highly toxic and also highly unstable. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. Trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> it gets all of the warning labels in a chemistry lab. Yep. All of them. Yeah. Get fucked. A chemical. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. So it's used for both nuclear and conventional electrical power plant steam cycles as an oxygen scavenger to control concentrations of dissolved oxygen in an effort to reduce corrosion. But the bigger mm. point is that it's also used for rocket fuel and has been used for rocket fuel since about the 40s. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's, again, very not stable, but it has consistently been in use. And it's also, I think, at one point was used for airplanes, but it, it's more or less used for rocket fuel. Mm-hmm. So the NASA administrator, Michael Griffin, whose specialist performed an independent hazard analysis of the USA-193, confirmed that the pen... Er, confirmed the Pentagon's conclusions. They stated, the analysis that we've done is as certain as any analysis of this type can be. He told a press conference on February 14th, so he also released a statement very quickly. He said that the hydrazine tank will survive impact because the hydrazine in it is frozen solid. Not all of it will melt, so you will land on the ground with a tank full of slush hydrazine that would then later evaporate. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So basically, the burning up in the atmosphere wouldn't work. Hydrazine burns at about 800 degrees Celsius. Reentry temperatures can reach about as high as six, uh, 1,650 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. So... So uh, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> so potentially okay. it wouldn't burn up. And it's also... I personally just find it really funny that NASA, a government organization, says that they conducted an independent study. Yeah, that doesn't track. No, that, that's very that much track. not a thing, actually. Like, they, they yeah. are directly related um, You're not even independent. Like, that's not what independent means. No, you did a secondary study and test of this. Yeah. Um, so, John Pike, one of Washington's most frequently quoted space technology experts, told reporters that the claim that there was danger from the fuel is not the most preposterous thing the Pentagon has ever said, but it seemed to be a bit of a stretch. That's a statement. <laughs> it is. It is a statement. You know, they lie about some things. They could be lying about this. Yeah, they're like, you know, they've said some dumb shit. This is only kind of dumb. (laughs) So. All right. On February 24th, or not 24th, sorry. On February 21st, at 326 military time, an SM-3 ballistic missile, which is a ship-based missile, was fired from the Ticonderoga-class missile cruiser, the USS Lake Erie, and, inter- and intercepted the USA-193 at about 133 nautical miles above the Pacific Ocean. This effectively mm-hmm. destroyed the USA-193. Mm. Wait, so where, did, where was it going to land? That's not released, but it was oh. shot down over the Pacific Ocean. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we don't know. It very much could have crashed into the ocean, but that's not mm. our business, according to the government. So, 
Okay. So, a still-classified spy satellite was shot out of the sky by anti-ballistic missiles, which can also be used as a form of ASAT weaponry, also known as anti-satellite weaponry. So, while the SM-3 ballistic missile is not meant necessarily to be anti-satellite technology, it can very much be used as it. Okay. And so, this action happened less than one year after China confirmed that they were testing their own anti-satellite technology. So, on January 11, 2007, China conducted its own anti-satellite missile test. A Chinese weather satellite, the FY-1C Polar Orbit Satellite of the Fengyang series, was shot mm-hmm. out of the sky at 537 miles and was destroyed, destroyed by a kinetic kill vehicle. Um, it was launched with a multi-solid, multi-stage solid fuel missile from the the Xichang Satellite Launch Center or nearby. So it's also slightly unknown exactly how and what they launched at their own weather satellite and why they were taking it down. But whatever they shot was technically an anti-satellite missile, and -hmm. it was successful. Okay. So the Aviation Aviation and Space Technology Weekly, I believe is the official magazine name, was the first to report on this test. They reported on it six days later on January 17th, 2007. The report was confirmed on January 18th, 2007 by a United States National Security Council spokesperson. Yeah. So at first, the Chinese government did not publicly confirm whether or not the test had occurred, but on January 23rd, 2007, the Chinese foreign minister officially confirmed that the test had been conducted. China claims mm-hmm. that it notified U.S., Japan, and other countries about this test in advance. The big point of this, though, is it was the first known success- successful satellite interception test since 1985, when the U.S. conducted a similar anti-satellite missile test using the ASM, the ASM-135 ASAT to destroy the P-78-1 satellite. Okay, so like at this time, everybody said they had this anti-satellite stuff, mm-hmm. but like no one proved it. But it had been 22 years since anybody uh-huh. had acted on it. Okay. And again, tensions were not great between China and the U.S. in 2007. Not that they're really ever great, but... Yeah, they not a great track record there. No, but so... And again, they did this out of the blue. There was not a threat of war, as far as I could tell at that point. Don't quote me on that. Um, I, I don't remember anything happening in China in 2007. Not with China. No. So there was nothing happening with China that necessarily needed an anti-satellite weapon to be mm-hmm. tex- tested. But they did. And again, like, mm-hmm. the whole, oh, no, we told the U.S. and Japan that this was happening. But also trying to deny that it happened at first. Like, eh, you know, I don't I don't really buy it. Yeah. It's kind of like North Korea, just like, oh, we're doing a, a nuclear test. test. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, a, oh, a missile went off. It was successful. We're a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> so... Several nations responded neg- negatively to the test and highlighted the serious consequences in con- the serious consequences of engaging in the militarization of space. Yeah, it, okay. it's fair. We had seen the Cold War. We didn't need to do a more aggressive version of it. 
Because <laughs> apparently that's an option. Yeah. So the Chinese foreign minister spokesperson, Liao Jiangchao, stated that there is no need to feel threatened about this and argued mm-hmm. that, and I quote, China will not participate in any kind of arms race in outer space. China has publicly been advocating to ban space weapons, and had which had been rejected actually by George W. Bush. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And again, leave space alone. <laughs> leave space alone, but also like yeah. keep funding NASA. Yes. Agree with both statements. Like, please keep funding NASA. They do cool things. We really like them. <laughs> so, okay. again, I, just hearing a foreign minister tell other countries that you have no reason to feel threatened over an anti satellite missile test that has not been seen in 22 years. Believable. Believable. <laughs> So China is very, very proud of their misdirection tactic. <laughs> great. Yeah. So again, circling back to the original satellite I was talking about, by February mm-hmm. 2008, the U.S. launched down its own strike and destroyed the USA-193, which, by the way, was shot down at a lower altitude than the Chinese anti-satellite missile. Yeah. Yeah. So while we responded, eh, did we respond as well? Not as strong, I suppose. No. So so, a mu- so wait, let, let me back yeah. up this timeline. Yeah, yeah. We sent out a satellite and shut it down a month after China shut down their own satellite. We did it within about a year. So we had launched the satellite the okay. year before. Then okay. China announced, basically, it was, well, China didn't announce. It was announced about China mm-hmm. that they had successfully tested anti-satellite technology. Mm-hmm. And then... We responded within about a year of this happening, being like, no. But there was, (laughs) yeah, we're like, not just you. Okay. So, six days after the USA-193's destruction, Defense Secretary Robert M. Gates said, and I quote, The mission's success shows that the U.S. plans for missile defense systems are realistic. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And that's pretty much it. In the end, that's a story. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that's unfortunately pretty much it. Like all okay. that. In the end, all that's really known about USA one ninety three is that it was a sp- a spy satellite that may or may not have been functioning. The statement is that we lost contact with it very quickly. It was successfully shot down by the U.S. Navy using anti satellite technology. It was signed and ratified by George W. Bush Jr. It was originally. This was the first time that drastic action was ever taken to stop a falling spacecraft. Mm-hmm. The argument is that it was because of potential harm that hydrogen could have caused, or was it the U.S. proving it, or was it an immediate response to China's anti-satellite technology? Mm-hmm. And again, nothing about the USA one ninety three or really even Operation Burnt Frost has been unclassified. So the other side argument is that the U.S.'s true purpose in doing this was not necessarily to threaten China or even to worry about the hydrazine, but rather that this was a test satellite and there was private confidential information on it that they did not want anybody else to gather the technology on. Because we don't know any of the details about this satellite. We just know that it was shot out of the sky. Mm -hmm. Or like even where it was going to land. No. Maybe it wasn't going to land in the U.S., yeah, which again, actually, fun fact: you can let satellites not land in your territory. You're just responsible for dealing with the damage. So, 
there is a space treaty that happened around the Cold War time because the Soviets dropped a satellite in um, Australia and caused a lot of damage. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody died, but, like, there was a lot of damage. And so... Yeah. And, yeah, so that is the basics of the USA-193 and Operation mm. Burt Frost and the first two successful anti-satellite missile tests since 1985. Fascinating. That was good. Yeah. I think That's it was a, a cool time. Short and sweet. Yeah, again, it's there's only so much you can say about classified missions. I have the same thing. <laughs> I was Fantastic. like, oh, that's where the trail ends. All right, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool, there's nothing else. All right. So my story is about the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Oh. Do you know what that is? No. Sounds not. Ah. Oh, this could be great then. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. Okay, so the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was a black-budget investigatory body funded by the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency to study unexplained aerial phenomena, which is the new UFO. We stopped using UFO. Okay, that's what I was about to say. I'm like, that sounds like UFOs. It's UFOs. (laughs) And uh, this program was created in 2007 and received nearly $22 over five years until funding was ended. Okay. So not an aggressive amount of funding, but funding nonetheless. It's a very small amount of money. Yeah. yeah, that that was half of the budget potentially to shoot down my satellite. We don't care about space. We just care about military. And we care about military in space. Yep. 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 <laughs> Give an astronaut okay. a gun and then we'll fund it. So this is going to be a wild ride. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, before I go into the story, I let's go down the list of players because they're very fun characters on their own. Okay. So, first one, we have a uh, Harry Reid, which is the former Senate Majority Leader. Okay. So, uh, Harry Reid was a Democratic US Senator representing the state of Nevada. He began his <laughs> Area political career. Yeah. That was a very quick correct connection. Okay. <laughs> Like, um, I like aliens. Yeah, it's totally fair. I understand. We need to do an alien episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he begun his political career at 30 in 1970 and rose through the ranks to become U.S. state senator from 1987 to 2017. Oh, wow. He had a very long career. I don't think senators don't have long careers. No, Basically, I know. <laughs> they do. They very much do because I don't think there's a term limit there but i was more at the he started his political career at age 30 there's not a ton of offices that let you hold office at age 30 yeah well it so i think i i don't go into specifically what he did but like basically everybody involved was just a career politician great okay so he's been in politics for a long time and he was area 51's senator yep yep pretty much Um, So his reasoning for being involved in the, uh, I'm going to call it the AATIP, that's the acronym for it, um, was he was interested in science and in helping the American public understand what the hell is going on. I respect that. He was quoted saying that. Yeah, Um, okay. He was known for being unpolished and just like a regular dude. He said a lot of wild shit. (laughs) So, um, you know, let's, let's is, do a quick spin on the drama please? wheel. I would love to hear some of his quotes someday. Oh, okay. But like, be warned, we're starting with racism. Oh, <laughs> no. I was hoping he was just a weirdo. Why are they all going to be racist? You know, was he a Republican okay. then? 
No, was he, he was. Oh, he was. He was a Democrat. He was the Senate majority say, leader of Democrats oh, on the de- Democrat sides. Yeah, because I was going to say I know Nevada is a swing state, but I lose track. No, he's a Democratic swing. senator, and he was still racist. Okay, he was always Democratic. Okay, so the first one was he was born in the fifties. So like. Uh, you know, it's not like he was Strom Thornburger born in the 20s. Yeah, but he didn't have, like, the proper education. Because, like, I believe that was still segregation era. Mm, yeah, uh, I think yeah. segregation ended in 1960. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Jim Crow laws were still kind of out and about. Okay, so anyway, let's hear some of his quotes. I'm so sad consistently that the senators <laughs> disappoint me and are not just interesting people, but are racist. I know. Okay. He claimed Obama would win president-elect because he was light-skinned and had no Negro dialect. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All this is rough. What? <laughs> Not that he Didn't was like... start off on a high note. It's fine. No. Okay. What else? Um, he was just an old white guy. He said old white guy things. Um, I know a lot of old white men that do not talk like this. I would really like to make that clarification. <laughs> there are some not people like that. Oh, my God. Okay. It's fine. Um, but he he did apologize to Obama, and Obama forgave him. So <laughs> Imagine getting, like, a formal, th- like, I'm sorry gift basket from your majority leader. Yep. And then just being like, oh, what are you apologizing for? Well... <laughs> It, it was a, it was like a scandal, yeah. as all things during the presidential election are, and okay. also that was just like flat out racism. But yeah, I think that's just not great. Okay, Reed so what was else? not a he was not a great man. Cool. Okay, he was just what a Democrat. else did he say? <laughs> okay, Reed used campaign funds to purchase gifts for his resident staff. Um, okay, so there there's actually a lot. I have friends that want to go into campaign law. There is a Mm -hmm. lot of weird specifics of what you can and cannot do with campaign law. And you technically, to a degree, can buy gifts for people with your campaign funds. To a degree. I don't know what the degree is. I I think so. In my research, it came up that he had done it illegally. Yeah. There is a very, very, very fine line. Yeah. It was only $3,000 and he ended up paying his campaign back for what he spent. But it was still illegal. And it was Just, his re-election campaign. <laughs> well, clearly got him still re-elected. Did it several times. He only voluntarily quit. <laughs> uh, he leveraged his political position to support Harvey Whitmore's $30 billion golf course development, which is an insane amount of money to spend on a fucking golf course. Where was this golf course? Because I know for a fact the land in Nevada is not worth $3 billion. $30. Oh, $30 billion. With a B? Yes, with a B. Was this thirty in like, billion? <laughs> was this golf course in the middle of downtown New York? I don't know. They're fucking terraforming Las Vegas or something. <laughs> okay, I didn't think land in Nevada was worth that much. I don't know where people are just spending thirty thousand, thirty million dollars, billion, billion dollars. It was a really, it was a life size putt putt course. That's why they had to do all the decorations. <laughs> Yeah, they have, like, alligators. They train them to open their mouths. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Whitmore actually served time for pouring illegal money into Reed's re-election campaign. Huh, okay. Love it. Yeah. So, why okay. he got support for his golf course. Yeah, that's basically the argument 
Uh, next one, Reed attacked Jack Gordon after setting Gordon up in an FBI sting. Um, Gordon offered him a bribe and then he choked Gordon while saying, you son of a bitch, you tried to bribe me before agents stopped him. <laughs> what? Reed is a very interesting man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like, okay, you son uh, so of a I bitch, you tried to bribe me. I don't know. Anyway, like... We've always been like this. The government's always been trash. I want yeah. a new one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me more. Okay, the next character is Robert Bigelow, which I put Bigelow. in parentheses, a smart billionaire. And um, he's he's a literal comic book villain or a comic book rich guy. I can't really tell. Like, it's one or the other. I don't. He's either really smart and a villain or he's just rich. Can't Can't really separate them. <laughs> okay, so, so why he, why was he marked as a smart bil- like millionaire billionaire? I go into it. Okay, tell me. Yeah. Okay, so he grew up in Nevada, and uh, so he had really strong desires to get into space science. Uh, so he claimed he watched the Nevada testite nuclear weapon test to like spark his desires. So he was literally just outside watching nuclear reactions, which is like. You know, that's that's not an abnormal thing that the U.S. do. We really like to spectate. I'm sure. But like doing it probably wasn't safe. <laughs> no, my grandfather 110 percent was like near one of the original test sites and got very, very severe skin cancer from it. Yeah, I don't think but, anybody had a good time with it. <laughs> no, but also like he could have just said he got a tour of Area 51 in fifth grade and no one would have questioned that either. Look, I'm really on the Area 51 hype. I just really like it. It's fair. That's I I didn't even make the connection to Area 51, but like, good job. Proud of you. Um, so he made his money in real estate by developed commercial hotels, motels, and apartments. Okay, so that makes sense. He made a lot of money off of this, especially yes. before the um Nevada Great Strip. Depression. Not the Great Depression, the um Recession. There we go. Great the recession. Great, yeah, it was the Great Recession. Thank you. Uh, so he founded the Bigelow Aerospace in 1999. So that was his own private business. Hmm. Bigelow Aerospace. It was like a research project. You know, I guess if you've um, got enough money, just pour it into the science you think is pretty neat. That's literally what he did, which I respect. Uh, he's currently funding the Bigelow Next Generation Commercial Space Station, uh, which is, I don't know if you heard about it, but it's literally a capitalist in space type of thing so it's sending up a spaceship for people to live in okay wait i have heard that i didn't realize that was him i thought oh okay i don't know why you would <laughs> well i think i had heard elon musk mentioning this so i think that's just who i started associating it with it's totally fine <laughs> um but he basically had a lot of money and he really wanted to spend it on space Again, uh, I guess there's worse things to spend it on. Yeah. He wasn't really that smart. Um, he was really boy. He was business oriented. Okay. And he used his business oriented nest to get around the fact that he wasn't like smart, smart. Not, he wasn't uh, able smart. to do the math to do, get into space, but he could hire the yeah. people to do the math to get him to space. It's literally what it was. So he was just really, really passionate about space. You know, a lot of people argue that the most brilliant men are the ones that know they're not that smart and hire smart people mm-hmm. surround yourself with smart people okay. yeah okay so continue who else is a player 
Ted Stevens, an Alaskan Republican senator. Oh, so this somehow became bipartisan and private sector. Okay. A lot, a lot, a lot goes on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so Ted Stevens was a one of the first house reps of Alaska and was pivotal to Alaska becoming a state. Good for him, I think. Yep. Again, a <laughs> little bit of a shake. Uh, none of these men he, are good men. Only one of them. Who Who is the one? <laughs> Have we gotten to him yet? He's He's next. Okay, cool. So tell me about the not great man. Uh, he was indicted in 2008 for seven counts of failure to report gifts. Again, guys, just fucking hire someone to deal with your campaign funds and campaign laws. I don't you will know. get caught. I don't know. I don't know why. He's also one of the only people to have like lost an election like because he broke the law. Like... For some reason, we as the American out. population are cool with it. But like, Shout he out actually to the lost. Alaskan population for just being like, nah, fuck you. You can't represent us. You broke a law. Yeah. Um, he died in a plane crash with seven other passengers, including former NASA administration Sean O'Keefe. Oh, that's a sad one. We don't mm-hmm. like losing NASA admins. Yeah, but he died in 2010. Oh, okay. It's eh, okay. still sad. Still sad. And then uh, just a note that will come up later. He was in the Air Force in World War II. Oh, oh so he was old, too. These are all old men. Yeah, I know. But like hearing that you were 18 or older and able to serve in World War II puts it into a very different perspective for me. That's true. That's fair. Um. So the next one is. Wait, was Danielle. he flying the plane then? He was flying a plane. The, like the one, no, no, the one that he crashed. Oh, the one that he crashed. Mm, we don't no. know that. Okay. No, I don't think he was. Okay. Anyway, continuing. Uh, Daniel Inouye, which was a Hawaiian Democrat senator and also the only politician I've ever respected. Wow. Okay. Tell me all about him. <laughs> we should probably send him a note just being like, thanks for He's not dead. sucking. Aw. Why they always gotta be dead? All right. <laughs> Uh, He's one of the most senior ranking. He was one of the most senior ranking U.S. senators when he passed. Uh, He served as a senator during the presidencies of John F. Kennedy, Lyndon B. Johnson and Richard Nixon. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. He didn't lose an election for 58 years. Oh. Yeah, he was old. Uh, He served on the Watergate committees and was elected as a senator in 1962. Mm hmm. His last words were aloha. Oh. I know. Wait, that's... It just breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody respected him. Like, I th- Obama gave a speech at his um, funeral. funeral, basically and- saying, like, he was one of the best senators that we've ever had. Oh, and wait, when did he die? 2012. Oh, okay. I'm sad. Yeah. That's fine. He was sad. And he also served in World War II. Oh, which, okay. I mean, also like to put that into context, he was a Japanese American. Yeah. Okay. So oh, he, and they, he he served. He served. Oh. I didn't really go into his background, but like, I, there's I only. I respect uh, him more for that now. Yeah, I imagine he either served to get his family out of an internment camp, or he was in an internment camp and decided to serve. I think that's probably the more likely one because if he was Hawaiian, that means that he was put in an internment camp first. Yeah. Okay, a lot of respect for this man. 
A lot of respect for him. Okay. Uh, next one, which he's truly a wild fucking person to me, and I can't believe that he is actually a character in this one. But uh, Louis Elizondo. Uh, so he was the former head of the AATIP. So basically, he's the reason this investigatory body was disclosed to the public. Uh, so he oh. basically released a lot of like proprietary information from the government after is he quit. Is he still alive? He is still alive. Shocking. So here's the thing. I have my own conspiracy theory about this story, and we'll get into it. Okay. Um, so he resigned from the U.S. Department of Defense for Intelligence because he felt they weren't taking the UFO situation seriously, and he was frustrated <laughs> by what he called a cover-up. Cover <laughs> I mean, the Pentagon did just release videos about UFOs, like, very That's recently. That's the story. <gasps> yes! Mm-hmm. Yeah, me. so he, the videos that were released on the 28th, so, like, last week, <laughs> those were affirming the stories that Luis Elizondo released. Yes. Oh, I love this. I love time conscious stories. Tell me all of it. Okay. <laughs> um, the story of the history. Ch- uh, I'm sorry. He is the star of the History Channel's groundbreaking non-fictional recant of the UFOs American government called. I'm sorry. UFOs and the American government called unidentified. So this is a six. This is a in-depth series by the History Channel. I know what I'm binge watching next. I am so excited. They're having a season two. <gasps> yes. Uh, so Netflix he has his own crazy party? ass background. What was that? Netflix stream party, anybody? It's not on Netflix. I don't know. It might be Netflix. I haven't seen I'll it. I'll figure out what History Channel streams on. I would love to watch it. Um, so he has his own crazy backstory, but I won't go into a quick... I won't go into it because it's so... <laughs> there's a lot going on. But just a quick snapshot into what's happening the person who produced Unidentified is the previous previous Blink-182 musician Tom DeLonge. Wait, what? Who has been known to be a UFO enthusiast. I did know that, but wait, what? Yep. Tom DeLonge is the current interim CEO. And actually, sorry, not even interim. He's just the current CEO of To The Stars, the current company that Elizondo works for. I have... What? Okay. Just keep talking. Yeah. That was the rabbit hole. And I was like, no, I have to shut this down. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Okay. Let's get back into the story. So now that you have a good idea of who the fuck everybody is. Do I have a good idea or am I just more confused? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the idea for the AATIP was first thought up by Reed and Bigelow in 2007. Okay. So... Bigelow claimed that the Defense Intelligence Agency approached him, hoping to visit his Utah ranch, which was also the Skinwalker Ranch. Do you know what that is? What? Yeah. <laughs> Either this man has man has so much money that he's really just spending all of his time researching cryptids. That's literally what it is. He bought the ranch. He bought Did- the ranch because he was like, that's weird. I want to know. Okay. You know, I I respect a man that's really just following his more odd passions. He just has so much money. Okay. So these agents were hoping to create their own research program on UFOs. So the DIA did initiate making their own program like this. Okay. Because um, I was so wondering under- how a, not a civilian got involved in all this. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, also, there's, like, light tones of corruption. Only light. Mm-hmm. 
So understanding the DIA and Bigelow's position, Reed grew his own passion for space. Uh, Reed had also been in contact with John Glenn, a former astronaut and senator, and he agreed and John Glenn agreed that federal government should be looking into UFOs more seriously. I really want to know John Glenn's perspective and like how that conversation went for him. Because like I think he was just really passionate about like the government actually taking military things seriously. Military things or space things? Well, uh, in my next point, I'll go into it. But basically, there is this argument that people were on the ground seeing these things, but nobody was taking it seriously. That's and it was that's true. um, Yeah. So Reed also pointed out that there needed to be more structure and follow up with military reporting of UAPs um ufos basically and that um often service members would be stigmatized if they shared their experience fair we do immediately think tinfoil hats exactly uh it also probably didn't hurt that the political report reported bigelow was a big financial supporter of reed okay yep it's like sure i i can spend about two hours every two weeks investigating your hobby sir just keep funding my campaign (laughs) pretty much yeah i think i think reed was passionate about space but it also probably didn't hurt that you know one of his biggest money yeah okay so reed contacted two senators stevens and inaway to discuss the general framework for this program um stevens was on board immediately as he had his own ufo experience from his air force service he claimed that while in service his plane was followed by a ufo for several miles Hmm. Mm-hmm. all men agreed that ufos were a concern for national security regardless of their alien vibes so it was it was less you know oh there are aliens and it was and- more oh there's things that move fast that we don't like <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sounds more like the U.S. It's like, hmm, I don't know what this is, and I don't think I like you. You're in our business. Yeah, it's like, ooh, I, I can't do that. I don't know. If I can't do that, <laughs> then you should not be able to. Yeah, like, only I can. <laughs> um, so all men agreed uh, that they also didn't want to have a public debate on the Senate floor for the money of this project, so they used black money. Which is essentially, it's a no oversight type of budget that's built into the defense con- uh, defense budget. Okay. So this allowed almost $22 million to be paid out to the AAITP over five years with little to no oversight from 2008 to 2011. Hmm. I don't like federal money not having oversight. Yeah, it was literally like the reason this So this what I'm basing this out on is basically the Politico and the New York Times articles that came out in 2017. And they explicitly noted that, like, they couldn't even find the money. Like, it took a lot of time for them to, like, nail down where this twenty two million dollars had gone. I don't I don't think I like that. (laughs) I also still don't like the concept that twenty two million dollars is federally not a lot of money. Try not to think about it. It'll make you sad. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay. so New York Times and Politico both struggled with this. Yeah. So, unfortunately, this also means that most of the money was given to Bigelow and his paranormal investigation company, Bigelow Aerospace, by way of government contracts. 
Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for context, $22 million is not much for a government contract, but most of the progress was really slow. And in fact, some people claim that it was a front to wire money to Reed's associates. I was going to say, like, mm. mm-hmm. okay. Uh, so the AATIP covered the Tic Tac and the Gimbaled. So both of those, those are both like space videos. That's what we call it. Okay. Uh, you can look them up by those names. Yeah. Uh, and they also were party to 38 other areas of pseudoscience, such as metaphysics, mm-hmm. wormholes, and hyperspace travel. Star Trek, we're coming for you. Literally? Okay. That's a, this is an entirely other story, but there's a project called Project Blue Book where they literally research space gates. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> Love. I will take, at this point, given how much we like to defund NASA, I will take any space funding that the military, the U.S. is willing to give. Doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be good research, but at least it's something. Literally so many experts came out and they were like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> okay. So essentially the program ended when government officials decided that the program wasn't producing anything productive. It sounds like they just went and hung out and talked about conspiracy theories like us. Yeah, literally the government was like, why? (laughs) Can we get a government contract? Maybe. We're doing things. Okay. Um, Participants stand by the creation of the investigatory body. So Reed was quoted on saying that the AAITP was one of the good things I did in my congressional service. Okay. That's a quote from him. Um, Elizondo resigned from his position at the Department of Defense after claiming that the government wasn't taking the UAP problem seriously. Um, Elizondo kind of went off the deep end, and in my opinion, that makes him a little uncredible. But in short, now he's basically Delange's bodyguard. Okay, because I I was very much going to say, like, either they discovered something that they can't talk about, or they discovered something very traumatic, or they really just let themselves spiral and vibe and do what they wanted to. So in my opinion, he was a fall. He was either a fall guy or he's the person who just like stole videos and was like, fuck it. You can't kill me now. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that has never once stopped the U S from killing. I don't know. Whistleblowers ever. That's true. It's true. But it, fe- it feels wrong. Also, like I've looked at pictures of him and like, mm-hmm. he does not strike me as someone I would like listen to. Which, okay, so he he very much might have just been the fall guy. Yeah, I don't I don't really trust it. Um, okay, so he is the star of the History Channel's unidentified, um, in which the company to the stars mentions in their press release. So to the stars is like making money off of this show, which is why okay. I'm kind of like, mm. Mm. Uh, and also it's getting a season two. Is that that all of this said? I'm still gonna watch it. You should definitely. I'm definitely gonna watch what. That is okay. it. It's still entertainment. It's just who's getting paid for the entertainment. <laughs> Such an important question to ask. So it, it's getting a season two, which is kind of like a, I don't like that. Kind of reminds me of Ghost Hunters, where it's like, I don't know if that's that's like valuable, actual evidence of something. Or I don't know. Really it feels like a ploy for money. Uh, so another fun note is that no one can validate his time at the Department of the Defense or the what? AAITP. <laughs> Wait, what? I know. Yeah, I know. So they know that Elizondo worked for the Department of Defense, but like no one will make a claim on like what he did, what department he worked in, or how long he worked there. What? I know. I Either so I'm kind was, of like 
I don't think he actually did anything. I think he was just like a setup to fall down type of person. Yeah, that or what he worked on was more classified than aliens. And they're like, you know what? Take the fucking aliens. Leave everything else out of it. <laughs> Take the aliens. Go. Just I need you out. Okay. Get out. Um, we can't talk about anything else. You could have the aliens. Uh, so on to To the Stars. So in 2012, after government funding ended, the former AAITP evolved into the company To the Stars. Um, basically, this To the Stars is the company that released that those videos, and they were kind of the people who released this deluge of information, and uh, those three videos from the Navy featuring the UAPs. So this is the actual origin of the Tic Tac and Gimlet. It didn't come from the... It was founded by the AAITP, but it was released by To The Stars. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the mission of the To The Stars program is to empower new scientific dec- discoveries and communicate forward-thinking ideas. That Big doesn't shit. sound like... I was going to say, that does not sound like a mission statement that I believe or even sounds like more thought than seven seconds was put into it it's it's a marketing statement <laughs> yeah it, it is it's very much a marketing statement okay <laughs> yeah um so the website for a space uh the website that they have which is like for a space research facility is like really fucking bad like hard to look through bad and like also in the top bar on the left like immediately when you're on the page it says invest oh yeah mm. got a lot Normally- of question marks from me I was going to say, normally, like, legitimate agencies make you kind of dig for their investment page or their Not donation page. digging, but, like, there's just more information. Like, yeah. there's no information and on And also, this. normally, it's called support us, not yeah. invest. Not invest. Weird. Because, okay, so the, their model is basically, instead of it being stock related to the price of the stock, so back mm-hmm. to the customers and how much they value the yeah. price of this company, it's flat. So it's $200 a share. Hmm. It's weird. It's weird. The way they phrase it is like own a piece of the stars. Which is cute. Really great marketing statement. Except but like, I can go buy a literal star. You could, and then it's yours. You don't own a piece of it. No, I, I can own a full star. Maybe I'll buy us a star that is called One of Us is Lying, the podcast. Yeah, it's like. just my star now. <laughs> Fuck you, universe. This is mine now. Private property. Okay. <laughs> um, so the To The Stars research facility also owns an entertainment brand. Like they hmm. make TV, which is a huge question mark. Yeah, those two don't normally go together. Mm-hmm. Um, all things considered, uh, they claim, I'm sorry, they claim that they have discovered how UAPs work. And that's no. the first step to helping out the government. And that's like a huge claim. So uh, the entire Elizondo- point of a UAP is that you don't know what it is. You can't claim that you know how they work if you don't know what it is. Yeah. Elizondo and a press release basically said, like, I we can figure out how they moved so quickly. And it's like, I don't really know if I believe you. Um, but all things considered, their claims were corroborated by the U.S. government. So the U.S. government oh. released those photo- those videos last week. Saying, yeah, these are real UAPs that were collected by the Navy. Uh, What? Yeah, so the U.S. Pentagon recently, um, on April 28th, released three short videos showing Mm -hmm. UAP that had been released by the company to the stars. Yeah, I know when I Um, saw that, because everybody mm -hmm. considered it the next step of um, 2020 apocalypse bingo. Really? Uh, I assumed that was just a way to get people to shut the fuck up. 
Because, so, like, the Navy had already con- confirmed that these videos were real in 2017. Yeah, this yeah was so just, now it was just, like, the official release. Yeah. Um, so these were released in order, this is a quote, in order to mm-hmm. clean up um, misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that had been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. Okay, awesome. Not news. And that in addition to this, the Navy has also created guidelines to reporting UFOs to the government. Is there a UFO hotline? Can we call a UFO hotline? <laughs> I don't think there's a UFO hotline. I think there's just steps now for the military to be able to say, oh, wait, yeah, that's not right. Okay. Someone should look into that. <laughs> I still like the idea of a UFO hotline. That's probably why they don't have a UFO hotline. <laughs> I'm deeply aware of that, but it doesn't make me any less sad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's my story. That was a trip and a half. What the hell? I know. It was a lot. I remember because so I don't know why I knew because I was going to do my original story and then I was like, I don't really like it. And then for some reason, this just popped into my brain and I didn't even know that the Pentagon had released those videos. Really? Yeah. I like in my research, I was like, oh, why is this in the news? Why is this in 2020? This is old. It's fine. <laughs> it's not old. It's very recent, actually. Yeah. They keep bringing it up. I don't know. Just let it die, guys. <laughs> it's aliens. They're not going to let it die. See, the it's thing is, aliens, I, but I don't think it's aliens, but okay. I don't think so. I don't think it's aliens in this case either, but. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love aliens. In fact, I wanted to start my own podcast just about aliens and cults. That was my podcast idea. So I am pro-alien all the way. Oh, 100%. I just don't think that this is about aliens. I don't think this one is, no. Okay, so Jada, what were your hot takes of the week? What was your big takeaway? Oof, my big takeaway was that, um, ooh, ooh, hot take. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I believe that the U.S. government knew that China had their own um, satellite protection system before China had done the test. Like, they had secret spies or whatever, because we still do spies. And they had built a faulty satellite to say it was doing something, but it wasn't actually. It was just large. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then sent it into space. Oh, I like this. Yeah. They basically set it it up so that it could fail and they could shoot it down later. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that one. Okay. So yours. So, okay. Lorenzo, was that the guy's name? No. uh, Elizondo. Elizondo. So... My hot take is that Elizondo, I'm standing by the fact that I do think he worked in the Department of Defense. Or, yeah, Department of Defense, if that's what he was in, right? Not Justice. Mm-hmm. Department I of Defense. I think he was either... I don't necessarily... I think the Fall Guy concept is fun, but I really like the idea that, no, actually, he worked on something so much more covert and so much more in need of protection that the Department of Defense is like, no, hush, hush. We'll say he worked here. He's got pay stubs, but we are by no means saying who and what he worked for. He can take... <laughs> He can take the UFOs. He can run with them. He can publicize them because this is still less of a threat to us than whatever he was working on. That's funny. So actually, uh, fun fact, I don't know if this helps or discounts your point, but the reason that Elizondo quit was mm-hmm. because he had asked for a special type of um, security rate. Like he wanted to clear the security yeah. of this program and the government said no. No, I, I very much stand behind then. Yeah, I think I think that he was not an important part to what he was doing, but I 100% think that what he was doing is more important to the US government than UFOs and they're like, "Fuck it, take the UFOs. This is we we can we that's fine. 
people have like, it. I need people... you to just go. I don't care what you do. <laughs> you know, it's like, fine, take it. We know what you look like. No one's going to believe you. Have fun. Be on the History Channel. It's no, we're not. We're not going to help you pass this. I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. This so, has been great. This um, has been. We really wrapped need... this one up quickly. It is barely an hour and 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is going to be our shortest episode yet. Jada, where can everybody find us? Um, you can go ahead and give us an email at one of us. Yeah, is, one of us is. Sorry, that was weird. One of us is <laughs> at lyingthepodcast.com. Again, one of, I feel like I'm leaving a voicemail. One of us is at lyingthepodcast.com. Okay, I'm um, going to repeat- shoot us an email. I am really, really interested in that one Swedish co- listener. Oh. oh, wait, Swedish listener, please message us. Just no, say hi. I want to be able to use your name. I don't want to call you Swedish listener. I just want to be, I just want to know. <laughs> we just we just want to acknowledge you. We're really excited about the matter. Yeah, okay, we've so- got a lot of fun listeners, including some listeners in Germany. So if you want to yeah. give us a shout out and let us know how you came across our podcast, that would be really sweet. Yeah. And then you can also find us on Instagram at one of us is lying podcast face. You can find us on Facebook. Also, one of us is lying podcast. Twitter is lying. The podcast. Someone stole my handle. I was really upset. And yeah, and you can find us also anywhere that you listen to podcast. And if you like this episode, it would mean a lot for us to rate, review and subscribe. That helps us a lot, especially since we're still a newer podcast. Mm hmm. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere that you could want to listen to a podcast, too. So there are many places for you to leave mm-hmm. a review. Oh, yeah. And all of the social media things. I have access to all of them and I will respond. So, like, mm-hmm. hit me up. So, yeah, find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.